I'm Spade Robinson, and this is Storyteller Therapy. Hi guys. Hi. I've been away for a while. I've been away for three weeks. Has it been four weeks? It hasn't been four. I don't remember. I don't know how long I've been away, but it's not cool. So I'm sorry for being away so long. Things have been crazy insane. This summer is going to heat up with so much just work on my personal projects and stuff like that. So what we're going to end up having is a summer hiatus. So I do not leave you guys hanging because we are in the middle of a three-part series. So we're going to get to the end of that series. There's two more episodes for that series. And then at the end of that that third episode then we're going on hiatus and we will be back in the fall and i'm super excited to let you in on all that's happening i want to check in on a movie that has completely changed my life it's a documentary called mining the gap the filmmaker is being Lou. So I definitely cried at the end of this movie. And I'm not a crier because I watch so many movies that I feel like I've become immune to movie emotion to some extent. But at the end of this movie, I was crying. The characters are wonderful and they're well drawn and totally respectfully captured and they're compelling. But the reason why I was crying at the end of the movie wasn't because of the characters. The first thing that came to me was, oh yeah, movies can do this. Documentaries can do this. It's just such a well done documentary that I was moved because art <laughs> and that really happened so I think that everyone should go see Minding the Gap whether you're a doc person or not obviously I am a doc person but documentary heavily influences me as a fictional filmmaker and vice versa so I think everyone should see it one of my largest takeaways from this film is the way that masculinity was drawn in this film the level of intimacy is so incredibly high that I remember telling people after I saw the film that even if I knew these characters in real life I still don't think I would have known them this well. I just give all of that to the filmmaker and the editor because what a thing to say of the way it is seen in the lives of these characters is so incredibly intimate and real. You never get to know male characters like this in film. A lot of that has to do with the sensitivity, awareness, self-awareness, and just craft of our filmmaker who is in the film and ended up being totally available to us emotionally and the other characters were as well. For all of those reasons, go see Mining the Gap. What we're going to be talking about today is this is the second version of our series about rejection. Our first episode in this series was about rejection from creative opportunities. That is your labs and your fellowships and all of that. Today we're going to be talking about rejection from jobs and or roles if you're an actor. But for the most part, most of my listeners and all of my clients are some kind of storyteller from behind the camera. Writers, directors, producers, etc. You're up for a job. That rejection can sometimes put us in a place that is unproductive. So today we're going to talk about mastering rejection from jobs. The first thing that we're going to talk about has to do more with mindset. It's going to sound corny. I know it's going to sound corny. I know I say a lot of things in this podcast that sound corny. But thing number one is belief that you are going to make it wherever it is that you are trying to go. The reason why this is the first thing is because when you put your emotional eggs in a basket as if that basket is the key to life, 
then it is really hard when you don't get access to that basket. Does that make sense? I don't know if that example totally works. The point is, is that there are no opportunities that are the only opportunities for you. So you have to believe that wherever you're going, you are going to get there. I mean, maybe some people won't, maybe some people don't. You aren't those people. I'm not those people. None of us are those people. So because you are going to get where you're going, there's no potential job that can make or break you. There's no potential opportunity that is going to take you off track that you didn't get. That doesn't exist because you are going where you're going. And if you didn't get the job, that wasn't the vehicle that's going to get you there. That's not taking you off the hook. That's not saying, oh, you didn't get it because you're too good for the opportunity. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, you may be, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are going to get there. And if you didn't get this particular thing, oh, then whatever this other next thing is, or this adjacent thing, or this introduction is serving more as an introduction for something else, not for this particular gig. I hope that makes sense because essentially what I'm saying is there are reasons why you didn't get that job. We're going to go over all those reasons today. You cannot lean into the weight of an opportunity being the key to you getting where you're going to go because none of these things are the key to where you're going to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So because you, we know you're going to get there, if you didn't get the job, that job in no way can derail you or take you out of the running for where you're going because you're going to show up. In believing that you're going to make it, knowing that it's going to happen, you must know firstly that no opportunity is your only chance because if the opportunity was your only chance, then that would mean you're not going to make it and that is not real. The second thing is you need to be honest about why you didn't get the job. Now, that's not saying automatically that you could have done something different or special or whatever. It's saying that you need to know your business well enough to know how things work. So if you didn't get into a fellowship, then you have a good idea of like, okay, I didn't get in because I wasn't well fit for it. It's extremely competitive and I wasn't in the top 1%, blah, 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 blah. If you're up for a job, then you need to know the difference between you not getting it because you're not well prepared for it or you're not getting it because this is a very relationship driven situation or you didn't get it because whatever. And you may not be able to pinpoint the exact reason why you didn't get the job, but the reason I'm bringing that up is because there is a spectrum. On one hand of the spectrum, it's like, oh, I didn't get it, oh well, better luck next time. And the other end of the spectrum is I didn't get it. I suck. I hate myself. Neither one of those are the best approaches. Of course, you're somewhere in the middle. The key is that you should know how this business or your particular slice of the business works well enough to have a better understanding, a more keen understanding for why you didn't get this job. So if you're up to direct a commercial and you have no commercial experience and the reel you turned in doesn't look like the aesthetic of that brand, you have to understand, oh, I understand if I want to be a director and I want to direct for them and I look at what I've created, but nothing in my arsenal reflects that I have the ability to do that multicam thing or to do that thing or that I've shattered on that kind of show, then, well, no, that's why. And we can talk about people getting hired who don't deserve to be there, but we don't have anything to do with that and you're not them. So the most important thing is for you to say, okay, I know for sure, or I can guess that I didn't get this job because my resume does not reflect that I'm prepared for this situation. My relationships are not intact to get me close enough to this situation. Or I didn't work hard enough, didn't try hard enough. I don't have enough things on my reel. Or I did great. I knocked it out the park. It has everything to do with something that has nothing to do with me. That you need to know. Okay. And then the third part of this is be honest if it was a good fit. So in order for you to really master rejection, you 
you have to be honest with yourself first and foremost and know is this job a good fit for where I'm trying to go or is this job a good fit for what I've already done it's twofold so on one hand a job isn't a good fit for you because that's not even what you're trying to do sometimes we can get really disappointed because let's say we need the money or we just need a win or something like that and then the other side of that is being honest about whether you're a good fit for it. If this is the opportunity that you really want or the kind of gig that you really, really want and you are not prepared to take full advantage of that opportunity, you have to, A, recognize that and reimagine how you would be better fit for an opportunity like that if it were to emerge. So what we're saying, the first thing about mastering rejection from potential jobs is knowing that you're going to make it and because of that you know that no opportunity is your only chance that doesn't that's not a real concept because you know you're going to make it you're honest you have the space to be honest about why you didn't get the job and because you know that you're going to get where you're going you have the space and the capacity to be honest about whether it was a good fit for you and whether you're a good fit for it and therefore you can be better prepared for the next opportunity or just kind of let it go because that's not what you're trying to do in the first place the second thing is personal development you want to design your brand you want to develop your your brand and you want to give this time and within that time you have a space to learn how to be bold you want to be really clear about where you fit and what it's like to hire you so from a hiring perspective I want to hire a screenwriter I want to have a good idea of what they're good at writing I'm good at writing everything is not a thing not that there aren't people who are good at writing everything but it doesn't help me from trying to hire a writer who's good at horror and somebody's like oh she's good at everything I'll be like that has nothing to do with what I'm doing though I can draw out, I have a good idea, I can articulate clearly, I have a vision of how I'm presenting myself to the hiring world. Once you have that designed and you have a vision for it, you've imagined it, hopefully written it down and you planned it out and your social media or resume or your website reflects that, then you develop it, which means you want to take it from point A to point B to C all the way to Z, right? So I know what it is that I want to articulate about what I can do or who I am in this industry, what makes me hireable. I'm looking to be hired by a network, television network. The jobs that I take on have a certain aesthetic to them. They have a certain pacing to them because I want to edit TV. So if I I design my brand but I don't have anything on my reel that shows that or have very little on my resume that shows that or my website is kind of blanketed and all over the place that says I can do anything and everything but I'm not trying to be hired by anyone and everyone I'm like trying to move my career forward in a very specific way and then the next thing is to give this time this doesn't happen overnight but the time that you use developing your brand gives you that confidence that you need. So if I say that I want to project myself as a television director and I haven't directed an episodic thing in my life, then when it comes to taking meetings, putting things on my reel, trying to cut them together like they're television, having conversations with people when I meet them at a networking event, going up to a showrunner and asking, can you mentor me? All of these things that you would do when you're looking for that kind of job, it's hard to have that kind of conversation 
confidence when you know you haven't done that design and development. So those things go first. But once you give yourself the time to develop those things, you have the confidence to be bold and really put yourself out there because you know you know what you're talking about. That comes from the development part. The third thing is to determine how to hire yourself. So all of these things, everything we've talked about so far today really comes from, okay, well, I got rejected. I got rejected from this potential job. This goes in line with, first of all, you creating opportunities for yourself. This goes in line with developing your brand, that self-development part. And three things you want to keep in mind for that. Thing number one, keep economics in mind. So a lot of people who say, oh, screw this. I'm going to make my own whatever. Don't always keep in mind the economics of the business that they got rejected from. The reason why television is on television is because there is an economic model there that keeps it coming. The reason why feature films continue to get made, commercial feature film, is because there is an economic model that keeps them being made. You don't want to ignore the economic model and then go out and make something. When you talk about hiring yourself, you're not talking about just doing work for free so you can do it. That's a possibility and you can, but that's not hiring yourself. That's something else, which I think you should do too. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about understanding the business well enough to know how the economic model works for different companies and then figuring out how it can work for you. So you're not going to have the same economic model as a network. The economic model of high, high end advertisers and international sales and syndication and all of those things are things you still have at your disposal, but there are economic models for independent projects. And you don't want to ignore that because we're talking about hiring yourself, not, not hiring yourself. The next thing you want to keep in mind is high level or high end or high production value or just high value, which is to say hiring yourself doesn't mean just doing something for the sake of doing something. It means the reason why... I potentially didn't get this job was because there wasn't anything on my resume or my reel that showed that I could do this level of work. So if you are going to hire yourself, then you need to figure out how to then do that level of work. Now, that can be difficult on a low budget or a no budget or a situation like that, which means you need other resources that isn't money. So if you have money at your disposal, work at a high level and be diligent about that and don't just throw something together. If you don't have that at your disposal, you need to figure out what resources you have, whether that's relationships, favors, creating a collective with people you know who also need to work at a high level, whether it's doing network fundraising campaign, and then you can work at a high level. Whatever it is that you have to do, figure out how to do that so then you can, in fact, hire yourself, hire other people, and work at a high level. And the third thing is to keep sustainability in mind. So when people do a lot of independent projects and they're saying, well, I'm just going to hire myself, or I'm going to do it myself, I'm going to put myself on. If it's like a one-time thing, you're not creating sustainability. So you didn't really hire yourself. You did a project. But to hire yourself is to keep mind how is this creating sustainability for me as an artist which means even if you only do one project but that project is at such a high level that you're more attractive to someone who could hire you that's creating sustainability if you do it at a place where it's like really short and tight but you can do multiple episodes of something and then come back for another season that's sustainable if you do something
something that is sort of lo-fi, but because of the tone of what you're making, makes it reasonable for it to be lo-fi and it's something that you can do over and over and over again and you figure out an economic model around that, that's sustainable. The main point is that you have to be creative about what you're getting out of it and be honest about what you can get out of it, which means you don't just make something and then figure out where it can go. That's not sustainable. Before you shoot a frame of anything or whatever it is that you're doing, you have the foresight to say, okay, how am I creating an opportunity for myself or hiring myself given this thing that I'm about to do? Research well enough what you should be doing that's economically smart, can operate at a high level or makes sense for it to not operate at a high level and is sustainable to the extent that what you're making makes sense so that you have indeed hired yourself and closed a gap over what that opportunity that you got rejected from. So those are the three ways to master rejection from jobs and roles. My homework for you is to really look at the third reason. Determine how to hire yourself. This is what I want for you to do. I want you to make a list of ways to hire yourself and then match that list to something that is sustainable, economically savvy, and at a high level, and then navigate from all of the things that do match all three of those, what's the one thing that you're going to do before the end of the year, and then do it. All right, that's all I have for this week. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.